moments like this cause us to rethink what it takes to solve systemic problems. And for sure, that requires different relationships. For sure, marketing and the go-to-market has an obligation to lead that. When we come together on behalf of a client, we're coming together across the system. We have to be the gearbox in that to make that possible and pragmatic. Hello and welcome. I'm Rob Levitt and you're listening to C-Suite Marketing, expert conversations on executive engagement. C-Suite Marketing is brought to you by our friends at Boardroom Insiders, a business intelligence platform that makes executive engagement easier than ever. Learn more at boardroominsiders.com. Learn more about this podcast at itsma.com. You'll find today's show notes, other episodes of C-Suite Marketing, and all sorts of other research and insight on executive engagement. And please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Now for today's show. I am here today with Catherine White, CMO for T-Systems. Catherine, welcome. Thank you, Rob. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, good. No, looking forward to our conversation. And um, why don't we just start, though, tell us a little bit about T-Systems in case folks don't know and your role. Yeah, I'm the CMO and Senior Vice President of T-Systems, based normally in Germany, uh, not in these corona times. I'm actually uh, doing this podcast with you from my home in Arlington, Virginia. So things have obviously changed, and that'll be part of, of, of our discussion today as well. But T-Systems is a technology uh, integration and consulting company within the broader Deutsche Telekom um, conglomerate, if you will. Uh, underneath that sits T-Mobile. So we're sort of a sister organization to T-Mobile. And we have sort of four key areas that we focus on, of course, connectivity as part of the telecom universe, um, digital, cloud and infrastructure, and security. And these are things that you know, are very critical to how uh, a telco runs, but then obviously very important in terms of our consulting and integration business into uh, the clients that we serve as well. So I imagine you've been uh, maybe extra busy during these last months with the pandemic, with all the shifts of people moving to remote work and different kinds of connectivity and security. Yeah, exactly. Um, so for me, it was a great accelerator for the transformation that I was already in the midst of, and as well for the transformation that we're helping our clients with. So what was really exciting to me when I came into the role about a year and a half ago was the opportunity to transform the function, Mm -hmm. uh, to be part of the transformation of the business, and to help our clients transform at the same time. So that that perfect intersection to me was super exciting to, to be in this role. What I didn't know is that we would have obviously a pandemic at the same time. Right. And what has surprised me is how much that's helped, not just us in our transformation or specifically me and the marketing leadership team and the marketing transformation, I'll talk more about that. Mm. But of course, for our clients as well in their transformation where things that would have taken years in the past, they achieved in months, sometimes weeks. And we set up a data center over a weekend. I mean, that's, that's normally takes, you know, months, sometimes years to, to have something like that happen. For me specifically within the marketing function, uh, I believe I made more 
progress in the two months post pandemic than the year and a half prior. Because everything that we were doing previously was a choice. And post pandemic, it was a mandate. Whether mm -hmm. that was where we worked, how we worked, what our priorities were. I mean, everything had the advantage where time was, took on a different perspective, both in how we thought about it, but also in terms of what was possible. So, so for me, it, it was really exciting to have this intersection and to be able to, of course, keep our people safe, but also use it as an accelerator to change. No, that's great. So, so tell me a little more, Catherine, about uh, some of those key initiatives that you were beginning to work on or, you know, maybe a year in and all of a sudden you were able to really accelerate. Yeah, so our organization was very event centric. I mean, it's a, it's a German based organization, a lot of European uh, clients uh, and, and the, the dominant interaction relationship mode was in person. And so we had not made some of the progress uh, and didn't have all of the marketing mix lined up toward uh, a different engagement model. So of course, a lot of the digital transformation was accelerated through the pandemic. I like to say every marketer became a digital marketer uh, in, in mid-March. Uh, I also believe every seller became a teleseller. Um, and I'll get back to that because, you know, we needed to have the skills and the capabilities in this transformation. It wasn't just the fact that we were now working from our home offices. So there's a big, a big uh, event shift. We went toward more digital moments. So then everything became a reusable asset. We could access experts anywhere. You know, they didn't all have to be on site, you know, in a particular meeting. We reoriented our innovation centers to virtual innovation uh, capabilities, and then it could scale much more effectively. Our functional silos surprisingly went away because we had a really strong focus of what we were going to do. And we came together around some client support offerings to help our clients go through sort of their three phases of, of recovery around, you know, keep the operation going. So a lot of that was around bandwidth and security and then readjust to the, to the new situation, whether that's from a cost standpoint, whether that's from a go-to-market standpoint, but there were clearly changes that were required. And then thirdly and importantly, and sometimes you saw aspects of this merging with the second phase, accelerate the transformation. You know, do those things that um, now that we see time and, and mandates differently, uh, do those things that had taken us longer to get organizational alignment in the past. And also, interestingly, I, I know um, the Farland Group, and Jane has been on your podcast series as well. Shout out to listen to that one if you haven't already. Hope right, that's Jane Hitchcock, the Farland Group. Thank you, Catherine. <laughs> but we moved with Jane's help from the notion of client advisory as a council or a board or a physical um, fixed thing to a network and more agile groupings of, of feedback. And for where we were in the transformation, that was actually a big benefit, as well as obviously being a benefit for the clients because they you know, had the same constraints of travel and uh, in-person as, as we did. I never thought I'd get the gift to get all of that change in place so quickly. Right. <laughs> so let me zoom back out a little bit because I, I, I wanna come back to this advisory network idea. Um, but tell me a little more about 
just the role of executive engagement or C-suite marketing within the broader program and, and mix? Yeah, I think um, T-Systems alongside uh, probably many technology companies has, has struggled to work across the C-suite. Now, they had their strength in uh, one or two areas of the C-suite, but hadn't broadened that. So I, I think we have, um, in many ways, a, a very traditional approach to that. And in, in other ways, I think, again, we've used the change to accelerate where we were weak. So specifically, what I mean by that is, you know, a very account plan, the account plan is, is sort of the gold uh, in, in both the foundation and the engagement model. So we align to that account plan, you know, the right partnership models, uh, the right partners, if you will, as well as the right partnerships or relationship alignment within the organization. So we're teaming up C-suite members with C-suite members uh, across our, our key clients. Right. So your uh, colleagues, your peers in T-Systems partnering with key clients. Exactly. And also across the, the telecom community as well. It may be very well be, you know, someone from Deutsche Telekom that has the relationship as well. Wow. So a broad sort of network of networks uh, to, you know, share insights to build relationships and to, you know, make decisions easier because the, the, it's, it's, of course, people based in, in many aspects. And then I think we've taken this, this notion of client as hero to a different level. So, so I would try not to think of um, references, but more how can we champion the client to tell their story in their own organization, in the industry, in um, of course our venues as well, uh, but to help them be successful in the way and champion them in the way that's important to them, their industry and their organization. And I think that's really helped us turn the model of how we market and how we build relationships um, toward you know, the, the true beneficiary of, of that. Oh, that's great. So programmatically, how are you doing that? I mean, because again, I can see that a lot of that might be at live events previously. All kind of different mix would, would be the short answer. But, but programmatically, again, the foundation is still the account plan. And how we engage across that account plan to break through the different dimensions of whether that's you know, role-based, industry-based, or channel-based. The, the program elements then align to those aspects externally impacted, like where does it have the most impact to help them and to tell the story most effectively. But again, the foundation or the program level is at the account plan level as a, as a living document. No, that's great. And give me, give me a sense of, give us a sense of scare when you talk about, um, you know, building off of the account plan and presumably the account teams, is that, 50, 100, 500 kind of key accounts that you're especially focused on? Yeah, we tend to be in the 50 to 100, but, but then, you know, what's important overall in the organization, when you get to a country level, you'll, you'll scale differently. Mm. So I really think the account plan process is, is scalable. You just have to be open to lighter versions as it gets into the organization, of course, you're not going to give it all the program support uh, for the smaller accounts. But as you break into new areas of the account and are able to then link up 
to similar clients in other countries or other industries and create, again, if we come back to this sort of, you know, network of network idea. Yeah. Um, I really think that's where the organizational lift for our clients lie. So I'd like to think of that um, account plan as a, as a scalable or, you know, lighter versions of that being important for different size markets. Oh, that's great. But I'm curious, one of the things we've talked about on the podcast is the, it's kind of the mapping of individual accounts and executives within those accounts and their needs, especially on the sales side. And then on the marketing side, you need to organize to some extent functionally. You know, these are folks who are doing thought leadership content this is the team that's doing an executive advisory board or round tables. So you have to somehow overlay the account plans and the account teams, I think. So how do you manage that? The way we do it, and I think this can be done in a number of different ways, um, is we have a mix of, of functional expertise and common capabilities. So we try to intersect, um, you know, sort of the T-shape, the two dimensions in support of that account. One of the functional areas is the account and country support. So within that team is where the direct alignment is to the accounts, to the sales clusters, and to the countries. Uh, the other functions that support that, let's say, more go-to-market heavy element are uh, around marketing operations, marketing communications, and uh, product marketing. But when I first came in, my worry was those silos were stronger than our ability to serve the client. And so we then created squads that took um, sort of the four capabilities that we were building around uh, campaign management, digital marketing, content marketing, and product marketing. And so each of our areas of focus had squads made up of those four skills. And so it through that sort of two dimensions, the squad, maybe three dimensions, I should say, yeah. the, the, the account and country marketing, uh, the squads and the accounts or the account plans, that's the intersection that then pulled in the resources to support that account plan. The bigger yeah. accounts got more support. That's really interesting. I want to stick with this for a minute because it's account-based marketing-like <laughs> I'm not sure you call it account-based marketing, um, but it's having this um, a, a squad in your case in between essentially the accounts and the functional parts of marketing. Okay. And, and when a, um, an area is large enough, so there is a, we have a big business in automotive. So there is an industry specific squad as well. So there the alignment to the key accounts is, is really strong because it's, it's a very uh, consolidated industry. Yeah, the top and, heavy, right? <laughs> exactly, uh, especially in Germany. So, so it's very easy to get that natural alignment where you have to pull it more through the, uh, uh, the account specific married up to the program elements in the next layer, even the next layer within the automotive industry or in other industries where the where the business is not as concentrated. Now, I'm curious, how do you, um, you're hopefully adding kind of agility and flexibility with this model, but it is more pieces, you know, it's more teams. Is, is that a challenge? 
Yeah, I think um, ultimately your key is where do you put the money? Sure. And so we took the money out of the functions and put it in the squads. Great. And so that hopefully creates the, I mean, it has in our case, it gives you the speed of execution. No, that's right. Follow the money. Um, I'm curious, I know you have IBM background. Is there some IBM in this uh, model here? Because I think they've moved to a similar kind of model in a way. Um, <laughs> probably. <laughs> uh, I, I hope, you know, that I take best practices and yeah. certain things that I've messed up on uh, <laughs> to, to try to create a, you know, a, a better model. But but it is, it's got to fit within the culture of the organization as well. So, so I think, yeah, probably there's some hybrids. But I, I have always thought that marketing is made for agile. I mean, we, there's no such thing as a marketing expert anymore, in my opinion. You know, we need functional expertise across a wide spectrum of capability. And, you know, bringing that together in a squad or whatever else you want to call it, where you, you know, are bringing skills in and out to help to serve and to accelerate a change in the marketplace and support for an account. We stay on the account-based marketing uh, point. And, and for that, you're, you're, you're not going to have a single person that has all those skills. So I think um, beyond IBM, I think, you know, most organizations are moving to that model in marketing because it's just... It works for us. We'll be back after a very quick break. Enjoying the podcast? Want to learn more about C-Suite marketing? Send us a comment and we'll add you to a drawing to win a copy of my colleague Bev Burgess's book, Executive Engagement Strategies, How to Have Conversations and Develop Relationships that Build B2B Business. Okay, now back to the show. Let's come back. You mentioned um, the uh, advisory network model that you're now building out. Tell me a little bit more about what you inherited and then how you're now transforming it. Yeah, I think we had um, had client get togethers, client meetings, client events um, that that served some form of advisory, um, but but we had not created a thread of you know, the, the closed loop around advisory that I was used to. And so we wanted to go into that direction carefully so we didn't overcommit. Uh, so we started with some one-on-one -on -one interviews to, to just get insight from our key clients around how they were perceived, perceiving our repositioning, uh, where we had permission and some feedback on strategic shifts, et cetera. And through that, we really found a willingness to engage with us at a higher and different level. And these were not the same conversations that were coming through our sales teams, not because they didn't have the relationship. In many cases, they had a strong relationship with these people. But as a result of coming at these questions, I think in, in a different tone uh, through a, a third party and, and with an intent toward 
marrying what's possible with, with the pragmatic and not getting pushed back into historical issues, but moving forward to what's, what's possible. Um, we found a whole different kind of conversation. So then we went further in that, and, and it started at this point to begin to look like a network. Because again, we had not pulled them together to say, you know, these are your peers that are on this council. We were talking with them then and, and expanded the sphere as well, went back to some of the same, expanded the, the sphere, and then probed more deeply into how does the pandemic change your strategy? So, so we happened to hit this right at the time that they were in the midst of these different phases, that they were thinking about, you know, what changes they were going to uh, be able to accelerate and have to potentially fully change uh, based on what was happening in the world and, and in their business. And, and again, we had a very open and different kind of conversation, even for the ones we had already talked to previously. And through that, we then created, um, I'd say almost even pods, you can almost think of it as squads themselves, but of subject specific webinars that, again, that they, they crafted based on what they were most interested in and where they thought we had permission to play, but where they also thought we needed you know, advice uh, to be more effective in that space. Mm -hmm. And we were able to even compare and contrast kind of different approaches when we had sort of sub webinars, as opposed to everyone together in, in one larger webinar. So none of this did we orchestrate up front, you know, in full transparency, you know, we just had to keep adapting based on what was happening, again, through these different variables, through the clients, through the world, through, through the business, uh, to be able to come to a, a set of really valuable advice. And now again, we have the door open to, to continue to get feedback in, in my view in a much more agile way than in my previous experience with advisory councils, because the advisory councils that were successful with me in the, in the past were successful because they were programmatic. This network idea is being successful because it is agile. It, so it's not not programmatic, but it, it has just a different frequency and, and value equation because of the cards we've been dealt. Right. But it sounds that there are a couple of threads, to use your word, running through it. You know, one is how do we have higher level conversations with senior executives? How do we learn more from our key clients about how we can be more helpful, you know, what they're doing, how they're changing, how they're transforming and how we can be more helpful. And, and you know, can we then apply that in a bigger way? Right. So there's some key questions, it sounds like, that you're working around. Right. And, and uh, I think, for sure, I don't know the answer to those questions. And I don't know that the questions are answerable. I think the question is more in how we approach getting toward the answer yeah. than answering it. And I, and I love that I don't have to know the answer, that I get to evolve the process to, to help to create the answer. Um, so, so yeah, that's in, in a way I'm thinking we're developing new practices. You know, in the past we would document best practices. Right, Nobody right. knows the answer right now. Together we're creating new practices. You know, I, I love this. And, and one of my... Um other areas of focus personally and with ITSMA is around thought leadership, which obviously intersects very closely with executive engagement. And 
one of my pet peeves there is the idea that we have to know everything. Yeah. You know, we have all the answers. And I think the most effective thought leadership, like the most effective executive engagement, comes from some humility that we understand what the issues are. We have a good sense of what the right questions are. Let's figure it out together. Right. And I think this pandemic has given us a huge dose of humility. Right. And maybe that's another silver lining. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely right. believe that. And our answers will become more clear together. We, we, right. we don't know. Um, one of the things I wanted to mention that may be helpful yeah. to some of your um, viewers is in the same yeah. way that we've you know, created marketing curriculum to, to build capabilities for these times and maybe to accelerate our training and development. We did the same for the sellers. Um, and I, I think, you know, many organizations, I think the go-to-market will be as dramatically changed as probably any other dimension of the business uh, post-pandemic or in the current world. And this notion of, you know, sale, many sellers became great through their relationship skills. And it was, it was typically a different type of seller that was really good in a telemodel. And um, we recognized that early on, especially on our um, sales team profile and, and put together a curriculum to help them become more comfortable over the phone. And so the way we did it was we took a behavioral scientist uh, a peer leader, so a salesperson who was already applying that insight in a way that was helping them to be successful. And then I would sort of anchor it with, with a pragmatic application of, of what we just heard. And we went through things like, you know, how do you become a digital role model? Um, what's an effective way to ask questions over the phone? Making it easy to get to yes. Uh, how to re-engage. And things that, you know, when you're sitting over a cup of coffee seems so easy, but when you haven't heard back from the person for, you know, X amount of time and you're not sure how to re-engage, it's nice to know the behavioral science around an idea that when you complement it with all the rest of what you know about sales could really help you be effective in these times. So, so I really, I think that was a big benefit and boost to the organization at a time when we were all trying to look for these new practices and, and none of these modules, I would say, are you know, ready to declare success in, in terms of their effectiveness. But I think taken together, they gave some confidence to engage in new ways. No, I love that. No, that's fantastic. And I, I'm curious how you've applied that across both some of the existing relationships that you're trying to maintain and strengthen, but also the new ones that you're trying to develop. You know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, you've had good relationships in parts of the C-suite, um, right. but need to move across more fully. Is, is there I mean, a difference between kind of existing and new relationships? I mean, I'm, I'm sure uh, in that, you know, once you have reestablished the existing relationships in a new way, it's easier to continue. Whereas the brand new relationship is, is much more difficult to break in. Mm -hmm. However, people are common, you know, short, high value, you know, moments of wow, surprising value. I didn't know you could, you know, help me with that is, is still a nice door opener. And no matter how well you know the person, you know, if I can help you in that moment, 
I've already established some value toward a relationship. So we tried to both develop the content as well as the approach alongside that. So we as a team, again, in the same uh, work effort that I was talking about in terms of, you know, the initial uh, support offerings to help our clients get operational and then yeah. to help them take costs out and then to help them accelerate their transformation. Alongside all of that, we had the internal and external content aligned to make it easy to engage. And then these curriculum or our new practices of how to engage married up with that to make it as easy as possible to engage the, the new relationships as well. Mm -hmm. And most recently, we, um, as a collaboration between T-Systems and SAP, we put together a Corona Warn app, which is a very privacy-oriented tracing app. Warn. And we did it in 50 days. Catherine, Catherine Warn? Yeah, Warn, W-A-R-N, as opposed to you know, the, the track and trace notion of, of the past. So we weren't doing GPS. We are not doing GPS. We're doing proximity so that when you get a, a, a positive, you'll, you'll be able to inform people that have interacted. Wow. And that was done in 50 days, um, including engaging open source and has over 16 million downloads. So, and, and it has more positives in the app than outside the app. And it also is now in 29 countries in, in Europe and um, yeah, UK and a few other countries, Switzerland, uh, EU and a few other countries in Europe. So what, what we are now using that to say, what can we do in 50 days for you? So it's opening a door to new relationships through something that's very pragmatic Marrying the possible with the, you know, the, the, the inspired with the, hey, we can really do this. Um, and one of the interesting things that I might um, maybe leave even for our podcast is the, the ratio that we had in terms of focus on the technical solution versus the engagement and the transparency of the solution. We did a four to one where just one dose of resource or funding or focus was on the technical solution and to four amounts in the, you know, uh, the communication around this, the engagement of the open source community, uh, the fact that the, the app is on GitHub now so that anyone could, could repurpose and reuse, um, and the engagement across the ecosystem, all the things that would make the trust and transparency more accessible to people so that they would use this. And, and I think that four to one ratio when we're creating new relationships, new markets, is something that we don't always put up front in the business plan, in the account plan, back to where we started, in the business plan to ensure that we get the multiplied effect that we need to ensure the technical solution breaks through the marketplace. So anyway, it's a nice, it's a nice segue that sort of connects the two dots in, in terms of what's possible and how we're using it to break into new relationships. Absolutely. No, I, I love that because it, it, it again plays to this notion that we can't figure everything out ourselves. Right. Collaboration is critical collaboration is central. And so the more open approach, I, I, I absolutely love that. I actually want to pick up on, I know we just have a couple of minutes left, but a couple of quick last pieces here. The SAP collaboration is interesting to me. And I'm wondering, 
is another silver lining, perhaps, of this uh, the pandemic, new possibilities with partners, with business partners and new relationships, kind of strategic relationships. And I think it's absolutely a, a benefit of, I mean, I think it should have been, and in many organizations, including T-Systems, I think uh, it, it is part of the DNA. But, but I think moments like this cause us to rethink what it takes to solve systemic problems. And for sure, that requires different relationships. For sure, marketing and the go-to-market has an obligation to lead that. When we come together on behalf of a client, we're coming together as, across the system. We have to be the gearbox in that to make that possible and pragmatic, back the, you know, the balance. Right. Right. Um, so actually, one of my last questions then has to do with the orchestration. One of the topics on this podcast and challenges generally is when you are working with key clients, when you're working with sales, when you're working with partners at the executive level, the coordination and consistency of the interactions becomes challenging because there's right. a lot of moving parts, a lot of people involved. Is How are you dealing with that coordination and kind of orchestration issue? You know, I think for T-Systems, that's sort of our DNA, you know, to, to be that orchestration leader across the ecosystem. So it's a bit more natural for, mm -hmm. for our business model than than some other organizations. So, so from that standpoint, it's a bit easier. But I do think, and to sort of ground it in the pandemic, I do worry that the challenges we're facing and addressing are also very draining. So I do worry about maintaining the energy, whether it's for orchestrating a change in marketing, whether it's for orchestrating the ecosystem on behalf of the client, whether it's for orchestrating the account planning process. I do worry that you know, we can lose energy and people will wish for things to go back to the way they were. And so one of the things that we have done as a leadership team and my marketing team is invested in a, a coach, a set of training for us as a team. And in the past, we would have done this as sort of a two-day off-site kind of, and, and instead we did it as a series of four, four-hour online modules where we, we learned something and then applied it. And then we learned something and applied it. And each time it built upon uh, the previous lesson learning and, and then the application grew uh, in terms of our ability to have more and more impact. Just a long way of saying, and maybe this isn't a great example for all your listeners, but the point is invest in something that's going to help mitigate the energy drain of doing all of these pandemic response things, working in an environment where so much is changing around us, so much is unknown. And yet at the same time, we're asking our teams to do, you know, superhero kind of work. We need to keep putting investment into maintaining the energy for the team to continue to be successful in these times. No, I think that's a, a, a fabulous point. And, you know, maybe just to close here, as you look ahead, you know, are there two or three principles or values that you think need to be front and center in order to keep everybody focused and energized uh, on the right things? I mean, the, the first is obvious that's, that's your people. Everything we do, we have to ensure our teams are enabled, uh, that we've given them the focus and the permission 
that we're applying that in an agile, you know, the fail fast, whatever, test and learn, whatever version of this you like, uh, this function and these times are, are made for that. So, you know, if we keep our people at the center and give them the capability to respond quickly and support them through this and, and all the sort of points we made around partnering, not with, with not only within the organization, but across organizations, um, we, will, we will be successful. Fabulous. Catherine, thank you so much. Lots of insight there and inspiration for us to uh, move ahead with. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to C-Suite Marketing. I hope you got at least a few new ideas. Let us know what you think and send along any questions or suggestions for upcoming episodes. And if you really enjoyed the show, do us a favor and tell two friends. Do us another favor and check out our sponsor, Boardroom Insiders, a business intelligence platform that makes executive engagement easier than ever. Boardroom Insiders helps you close bigger deals faster. Learn more at boardroominsiders.com. And don't forget to visit us at itsma.com for more on this podcast and more insight and inspiration on executive engagement, account-based marketing, thought leadership, and other B2B marketing priorities. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.